Welcome to Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up of the stories that we've been covering on One News. We're joining you from the legendary Beehive studio. And very kindly joining me today is Joe Moyer from the staff office here in Parliament. Our offices are just next door to each other, so she agreed to be roped in to have a chat to Great us this to be morning. Here. It's been a funny week. We're in the fourth week of... Um, sitting in a row, which is which is a long stretch and a bit mm. of a hangover from the budget from last week. Yep. But it's been a busy sitting week. Um, trade was one of the big stories that dominated this week. Let's have a look at our track on that. This quintessential kiwi fruit is destined for Europe. Negotiations have now begun for a free trade deal and that'll save big bucks. Last year we did about $670 million uh, dollars worth of sales, uh, New Zealand kiwifruit, uh, which incurred about $32 million worth of tariffs. Uh, so anything that helps us reduce that burden in tariffs is great. It'll save millions a year for our beef and lamb industry too. It says the taxes on beef can be up to 70%. But this deal could mean more exports, and that could mean more jobs. Any growth in exports uh, means jobs back in New Zealand. Uh, we currently employ, employ 80,000 uh, New Zealanders in the sector. The main things we sell to the EU are lamb, fruit, wine and dairy. The main things we buy, cars, aircraft and medicines. But there are concerns producers of New Zealand cheese like feta, brie and parmesan may struggle because of pressure from European dairy imports. The minister disagrees. New Zealand's on a route from volume to value uh, that we've got increasingly sophisticated uh, cheese products that we will sell into the New Zealand market and into the European market in the future. I think it's an overall upside for the dairy industry. So now officials get down to the nitty gritty. Negotiators from the EU will be flying to New Zealand next month to get things going. The EU is also trying to strike a deal with Australia. These two countries are important friends and allies. They are part of this circle of friends who believe in good trade and in multilateralism. And it's also economically beneficial for us. The government says the Prime Minister's recent trip to Europe was the tipping point to secure negotiations that have been years in the making. There's been a lot of work uh, by a lot of people, uh, the last government particularly, and officials over a long period of time. But it'll take time. I would hope that we can knock it off inside two years. So the clock is ticking to seal the deal. So trade is one of those stories that we, we knew this was coming um, but a lot of celebration and jubilation and high-fiving with um, David Parker and Jacinda Ardern this week. Absolutely. I mean, this is a, an easy one for Labour to claim as a win, really, isn't it? Because the situation with the CPTPP... Is, well done. Yeah, <laughs> ..is that um, that was never really theirs, was it? Um, although they got some wins in terms of getting things across the line towards the end there and adding a comprehensive and a progressive to it. Um, this one is one where they can say, this is ours, we did the work, you saw the Prime Minister go to France, have that all-important meeting to, to make sure that the French were on board as the, a bit of a perceived roadblock in terms of the, um, the agriculture stuff. So, yeah, I guess the high-fiving is, is pretty expected, really. I guess, although you must be sitting there as national saying, oh, that's so frustrating, we did quite a lot of the prelim work for this, and then the Prime Minister comes and has this very successful trip to Europe, and even though... The government is saying, oh, you know, you never know what is the tipping point in the balance. But it must be a bit frustrating for people like Todd McClay sitting there. Oh, absolutely. And you saw that in the House yesterday. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Nats were sort of riling up um, Minister Parker and saying, oh, you know, where's the thanks for us type thing? Because 
look, let's face it, those relationships have existed long before October when the government came in. So there has definitely, the groundwork has been laid out there by the likes of... Um, Todd McClay um, and uh, Jerry Brownlee and, you know, those sorts that's of ones. It's all about timing, isn't it? And that's Absolutely. the thing when you're in, you're in. And, and David Parker and Fairness did say, look, we were they were possibly looking at a delay and when Jacinda Ardern came in and had those very successful meetings, um, you're never sure which bit they think, oh, actually, let's just do it, let's just get things going. So, you know, maybe maybe it was the tipping point, who knows? Absolutely. Um, that was a very successful UK-EU trip that she did, um, when was it, sort of a month, yeah. uh, a couple of months Six ago weeks. now? Yeah. I don't know, lose track of time in this place. <laughs> um, and, you know, you you saw those sort of big power meetings with Angela Merkel and Macron and, and, and those sorts of people. And, you know, you can't say that she didn't do a good job on that trip. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sure, there's, there's people that are going to say that... that, that the last government did it, and you know they're just claiming it at the eleventh hour or whatever. But you know she's she's done she's done a bit of decent groundwork there herself, I think probably. Yeah, well, going from something that the government wants to highlight that trip to Europe and this trade deal to something they would rather not be talking about, Michael placement bovis that's been pretty dominant for the last couple of weeks we're expecting a decision on that on monday but let's have a look at our story on that first heavily pregnant with just days to live it's been terrible for us i can't do it this is the personal toll of knowing the fate is sealed for these cows i'm sorry i can't do it and their unborn calves it's been Five months of hell. Five months since being told their cows had high antibody levels. Now these first-time mothers are all just six weeks away from giving birth. Well, once the mothers are killed, they um, they get hung up and their, oh, their bellies are opened up and the calves will fall out into the tray and some of those calves may try and take a breath. Of it's horrendous. a disgrace. I, I don't think even men at the freezing work should be subjected to that. I think that's dreadful. They say killing these cows on the same day a decision might be made to manage the disease is barbaric. Why would we send something away in the morning and then hear at night that we're going to manage it? You just wouldn't do that. No one should be expected to do that. Despite their refusal to sign the cull notice, they've been told the MPI is well within its legal right to come here on Monday morning and take 90 of these pregnant heifers to the freezing works, leaving them to plead for a reprieve. These heifers will not leave here Monday morning to go to the freezing works, I promise you. But MPI says infected properties will continue to be depopulated until a decision's made. I just wish that New Zealand didn't think that they were better than the rest of the world and that they could eradicate it. Eradication, that's bad news for everyone on this property. Here you see the wee chugger, we um, here for running around, she's a hard thing. Someone has to kill that calf, with, I'm not shooting it. Nothing about this is easy for this family, asking for one day more to As they anxiously wait and hope for a stay of execution. So, Mycopet Plasma... Let me start that again. Mycoplasma bovis. It's um, a word that we've been saying a lot. You'd think I'd get better at saying it, but um, it's, it's something that we've been learning a lot of, especially over the last couple of months. Um, it's turned into a really big deal and a big story, um, particularly for our farming community with really wide-ranging 
ramifications. How do you think the government has handled it so far? Um, I think we finally, in the last couple of days, have got to a point where we're actually addressing the issue. Like, for me personally, I've got really, really sick and tired of the political sort of game that has been going on with this. You've seen Nathan Guy and Damien O'Connor and Simon Bridges and Jacinda Ardern blaming the other side for this, you know, what is effectively the the biggest disease to face the country ever. I mean, it's huge. The ramifications are huge. But for the last few weeks, at least, if not months, really, it's just been who was at fault. And that's, I mean, I just find that really, really frustrating, actually. And it just feels as if in the last few days that we've finally got on to how are we going to do something about this. And I thought the fact that MPI and um, the Agriculture Minister, Damien O'Connor, had that briefing here at Parliament yesterday, where it was sort of 45 minutes for reporters to actually just get their head around where things are at, why this is an issue, what the ramifications will be, I think was a, was a really smart move um, on their part because I think even just in the last 24 hours, the information and the reporting of it has really stepped up as a result. Um, it's, a, it's a huge issue. And, yeah, now that we're past the point of um, was it the Nats' fault, is it, la- you know, Labor and New Zealand first fault because they're not dealing with it how they should be, now we can just concentrate on... Do we continue to try and eradicate it or do we move to the situation of of management and containment? And I thought it was interesting actually to hear the MPI officials yesterday say that the cost is going to be the same for either of those options. So that's not going to play any part in in what they decide on Monday, although sources are saying that it looks as though the preferred option is going to be to continue down that eradication line. So I guess we'll see whether that's the case. Do you know what I reckon happened? I reckon they played out that blame game that first week. We heard from the Prime Minister in the press conference saying, well, you know, if National Party had done a better job of tracking, etc, etc. I reckon they got slammed for that in the first couple of days. And then I feel like all of the political parties this week have been like, look, we're going to try and work together. We're going to try and work together on this. So I think both of them recognise that it's not a smart idea. The public don't want it, farmers mm. don't want it um, and they... And MPs were frustrated by it. Yeah. I, was, I was having conversations with MPs across the house who were all saying to me we're so sick of listening to the political argument about this, like let's just deal with the actual issue. So I don't know whether Simon Bridges and Jacinda Ardern you know, finally decided to listen to their caucus or what but mm. yeah, everyone was really really annoyed with it. Because there's no doubt politically this will have big ramifications, the way that they handle this particularly with the farming community but it's not the time to focus on it now that's for down the track once things are sorted and once things are going through. That's when we'll all step back and um, assess how they've done with this. But at the moment, we're kind of in the thick of it. Well, and I mean, at the end of the day, if it's, you know, the three things that MPI are looking at in terms of their investigation of of how this may have got in are focused on um, imported semen, uh, imported medicines via a vet or whatever, um, or equipment. Equipment, yeah. the government is not responsible for either of those three things coming in. Yes, it is a biosecurity issue. I take that point. But move away from, you know, whether National or Labour are to blame for what's actually going on and how are we going to to deal with this disease. And I know, you know, people sort of go, well, it doesn't have trade implications and, yes, you can still eat the meat and you can drink the milk and, you know, we all are because every other country apart from Norway now actually has Mbova, so we are all consuming it on a daily basis, as weird as that sounds to say. Um, but, you know, it's it's still... 
I think Damien O'Connor made the point yesterday that while it doesn't have trade implications in the sense that you can't send the meat or send the milk, it does have implications in that it is a, a disease still yeah. and it is something that we were free of and now we're not and that says something about us. Yeah. So. I mean, the other thing that I thought was really interesting was this was the gypsy day where the cattle has moved all around. Um, that's still going ahead. Mm. And when we talked to the minister about that, um, he said, look, we did briefly consider not having it, but that the implications are so huge. Sitting on the outside and looking at that, you think, why on earth would you go and move all of that stuck around at a time when you're trying to control yeah. this disease? But I guess... If the the alternative is far far worse. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put my Taranaki dairy farmer daughter <laughs> hat on here. Disclaimer. Yeah, that's good because that kind of balances out my Auckland upbringing. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I take the argument, and you know, and I raised the question yesterday with them as to how they how did they not think there's going to be a spike in infected farms and cattle on the back of of the gypsy period because you've got so much stock moving around and yet they you know they're confident that they're going to have the sterilized trucks and they're going to have um, the improved the, the heightened um, tracking system and all of that stuff so that's good I guess I would I would say I can see where they're coming from and not wanting to to stop all of that movement because you know, Damien O'Connor is right when he starts to talk about animal welfare issues because you have farmers. I mean, take the example. You've got um, farmers in Southland who it's just what they do that they send thousands and thousands of stock to Otago and to Canterbury for about six to eight weeks over this period because that's where the grass is, that's where the and feed the feet, is. Yeah. And you can't move that feed. I mean, it's just too huge. Yeah. So if you're going to put a stop to the movement you effectively are opening yourself up to a can of worms of animal welfare issues and you will ultimately end up culling stock anyway because you don't have the feed for them. So, I mean, it's a massive lose-lose situation at the end of the day. But but I guess the minister didn't really have a choice, no. did he? I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's the thing. Um, speaking of interesting choices this week, um, Trevor Mallard um, has been quite hot um, in conversation this week as Speaker of the House. Uh, What's been interesting is just seeing how this has played out. He went from one of our quite uh, vocal MPs to now the very dignified position of Speaker of the House. Let's have a look at some of the things that have been happening this week. Paula Bennett will leave the chamber. And with that, she was out. The Deputy Leader of National booted from the debating chamber for bad behaviour. He singles me out. Uh, I just kind of think that it, you know, at some level it's got personal for him. But it wasn't just her. It was a bumpy ride for Trevor Mallard. I withdraw and apologise. Withdraw and apologise. I do withdraw and apologise. This has got to the point of, of being ridiculous. Yesterday, Paula Bennett stormed out. I'm leaving. <laughs> and National says the Speaker isn't giving them a fair go. This is an important part of the Westminster democracy. Isn't this just the rough and tumble of politics, though? Yeah, I'd love it to be. I'd actually like it to be kind of robust like it used to be. National says the Labour MP is sharing stories with the media. We still have grave concerns about the way in which he has clearly briefed the media against National uh, MPs, claiming that uh, we had referred the Prime Minister as a stupid little girl. National is threatening to go one step further by getting Parliament to vote on whether it has confidence in the Speaker, but it would be fruitless because it would be blocked by the government. What did you make of that inside the debating chamber? I'm not going to comment on what happened in the chamber. 
It's a case of poacher turned gamekeeper for Mr Mallard. Well, I did not Order. make the comment. Well, the member will leave the chamber. That is the worst decision you have ever made. Mr Speaker, Order. sit down till I'm finished. Goodness sake. The member will now leave the chamber. Perhaps scenes he'd now rather forget. So we saw Paula Bennett basically walk out in protest yesterday. What did you make of that? I mean, it is quite unusual to have someone, particularly the Deputy Leader of the Opposition, walking out like that. Yeah. I, to be honest, being a little bit of a political nerd, I spend a lot of time in question time, probably more than most. Um, and I was not surprised by what Paula Bennett did yesterday because she has been just getting closer and closer and closer to tipping point for weeks now. Um Paula's one of those people who thrives on the House. She's really into it. I mean, MPs are either really into the House or they're really not. And Paula is very much in the camp of she loves that sort of um, the banter and, you know, all of the, the sort of aggression and, and colour that you get with it. Um, and to be fair, the Speaker has started to stifle some of that. And for someone who thrives on that and that's their kind of, like, opportunity to shine, you could see how that would get annoying. So her walking out yesterday... Didn't surprise me that much. Um, whether it was justified or not, I don't know. Because, I, I mean, it's not, it wasn't just off that issue. I think it had it was a whole lot of stuff that had sort of compounded for her. Because if you're, if you're outside of Parliament and going about your daily life, MPs scrapping with each other, it's not, it's not something new. But the, I guess the reason that this is so important is because it's his job to be the referee in Parliament and it's his job to let everyone have a fair go and let the opposition MPs ask questions of the government and hold them to account. And when you break it all down, that's the whole point and mm. it comes down to democracy and it sounds very dramatic but that's why this stuff matters so much and I think that's why um, it's important and it's important that we follow it I mean, National says they're being treated unfairly by the Speaker. Trevor Mallard, of course, as everyone knows, um, is a Labour MP, but when you become Speaker, you, you need to be straight, you need to be neutral. Yep. Um, but, I mean, David Carter, Lockwood Smith, um, for all of the Speakers that we've ever had, they they get accused of not being fair to everyone. Yeah. So well, at that point was made this morning, actually, by um, Chris Hipkins, who's leader of the House, and, and he was asked about, you know, whether the Nats had a point in all of this. And and I think I probably agree with, with his answer, which was, look, we spent the last nine years feeling like we were being unfairly targeted and unfairly treated, and, and the, the Nats and government didn't bother to listen to us, and now suddenly they're on the other side of the House and, and complaining, and... I kind of agree with that because the opposition is always going to feel like they're on the back foot a little bit. I think the biggest issue here is that Trevor Mallard's style is quite different to what other speakers have been. And the system that he's adopted with, you know, where he sits in the house and he goes, you know, and is constantly, you know, three questions up, two questions down. I mean, no, the whips can't even keep up with where they're at. I mean, it's, it's quite ridiculous. because National has so many questions, thanks to the Greens as well. So, you know, there's that to deal yeah. with. Although Seymour's always asking Labour <laughs> for another one. But, yeah, um, you, it's, it's a different system. Um, and I think National is really struggling to get their head around not answering the questions. Yeah, being um, in opposition, yeah, you know? Yeah, and so it's. I, I feel like there's kind of a few different things going on here. I think 
the speaker could probably chill out a little bit. I mean, there has been instances in the House where, because his, his real big thing is a question has to be asked, asked in silence. Fine. But when the question is quite funny, which sometimes obviously it is, you're going to have people laugh. Is that such a big deal? I would argue not. But when you start losing questions because someone has laughed at something funny in a question, I mean, yeah. seriously. He's perhaps not the most natural speaker, um, because he was so combative as an MP, famously so. Um, we've gone back and had a look at um, some of the stunts Trevor Mallard pulled. So perhaps for the speaker, the tables are turning. By a country mile, Trevor Mallard is Parliament's worst behaved MP. Four expulsions and 28 withdrawals. Mr Mallard won't talk, but his leader has. I'm sure Trevor will have a New Year's resolution to get thrown out fewer times next year. Order! Order! Well, I did order. not make the comment! Well, the member will leave the chamber for the rest of the day. For not making a comment! Order! For goodness The member will not dispute the speaker. And if he's not careful, he'll be named. That is the worst decision you have ever made. I don't want to bring a breach order, of privilege, order. but I'd no, like no, a... the member will resume his seat. Well, can I finish Please, the Please, the member will resume his seat when I'm on my feet. I just want to, to tell the House that no, neither... No, order. the member will not tell the House if he is questioning, and he'll take his seat. I'm your ruling. I'm... Oh, the, the member will resume his seat right now. The member, the member will leave the chamber. The member will leave the chamber for the rest of the day. Mr Speaker, order. sit down till I'm finished. Goodness no. sake. The member will now leave the chamber. So a little bit of irony watching that there. Yeah, I actually didn't realise he'd been... I knew he'd been bad, but seeing it like that, you're kind of like, wow, he really lets loose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he just, he was, like you were saying with Paula Bennett, he just gets into the cut and thrust of it and kind of gives it a go. But as soon as you answer back to the speaker, you're out of there. You mm. know, that's the thing. The other thing that I think is really interesting is they brought up in that clip about being named. So if you're really, it's like at school, if you're mm. really bad at parliament, you get named. And that means you're not allowed in the debating chamber for a day. If you get named twice, it's a week. And then if it's three times, it's terrible and you can't mm. come back to do your job. So I just think those rules are interesting for most people don't see the minutiae of parliament, but being named is a really big deal. Which is kind of odd now anyway, because let's face it, with social media, you're sitting there and it's quite regularly tweeted who is leaving the house yeah. and all the rest of it. I mean, yes, it's still a big deal to have it in the Hansard mm. record, but... Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Maybe this will remind um, Trevor Mallard of the cut and thrust and maybe he might go a little bit easier of the MPs. Never he's, know. He's got a two-week recess. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You never know what space. could happen. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, thank you very much for being with us today. It's been really interesting to hear from you and great to have you guys with us as well. This was Inside Parliament, our weekly chat about the stories we've been covering on One News, the political stories. This podcast is available every Thursday evening on the One News Facebook page and check us out on your favourite podcasting app. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah.